All right. I want to introduce you to someone special. So, Eddie, would you come up and join me just for a minute? Okay. Most of us know uh, Carice. She is the, the young lady that um, plays a saxophone in our church, right? Yeah, this is, looks like David and Goliath, doesn't it? <laughs> Not fair at all, yes. But you're David, so now it's fair. <laughs> at some point, I'll be on the floor. <laughs> um, uh, Eddie is Carice's dad. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about Eddie, because Eddie is an awesome man of God. And one of the most radical Christians I know, and we've been doing lunches for a long time, and every time he comes to visit Chris, I say, I want to go to lunch, and I want to hear one of your crazy Eddie Christian stories. And so he always is faithful to tell me one, but let me tell you a little bit about Eddie first. Uh, Eddie's been married for 52 years. Yep. It doesn't even look like he could be married for 52 years, does it? He doesn't even look 52. So uh, he's a father of three, a grandfather of eight. He pastored, oh, some of them are over here. Yeah, look at them right there. Look at them, man. He uh, pastored um, Hacienda Christian Fellowship for 32 years, which is awesome. And uh, he is a human rights activist mm -hmm. and uh, has gone around the world doing human rights activist things. Like just super short story. Eddie actually flew to Iran, beat on the door of an Iranian prison, demanding that they let out four pastors. <laughs> and they did. These are the kind of things he does all the time and has been doing his entire life. He also goes to and has been for about 20 years. For about 20 years, he's been going to one of the hardest reaching places with the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world. I'm talking about the American College campus. <laughs> That's right. He's also been a, a professor of philosophy at a college for 20 years and just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in the classroom, in the philosophical setting. And it's been really cool. And I love to talk to him about that. But um, recently, Eddie's been doing some really cool things. And I want to tell you about those as well. So recently in his retirement... Eddie has been doing dramatic presentations of the Word of God. Now, we're, we're, um, we're answering a question this year. What's our question? What do I believe? And when we launched this question, the first thing we talked about was that we must believe God's Word. That God's Word says who we are, and it declares what we know about God. And so God's word is, is very, very important. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That's right. And in Romans chapter 10, Paul said that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so this morning, Eddie is going to give us a dramatic presentation verbatim of the book of Ruth. He's going to dramatically present it to us, but he's going to present it word for word verbatim. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a really important thing. Let me explain why this, I believe this is so important. We live in a time and a day that we have an enormous blessing, right? Right now in your hand, you, you hold the word of God. You have a Bible in your hand, or maybe you have it at your home, or you definitely have one on your phone, right? Anywhere you go, we have the word of God accessible to us. That, in it, that is an extremely new thing. That's, that's, not an, that's not an old thing. That's a new thing. For thousands of years, the only way you understood the word of God was by hearing it. 
Somebody orally gave it to you. You went to the synagogue or the temple or somebody like a missionary like Paul would blow into town and he would verbatim tell you the word of God. That's how the word of God was passed down for centuries. And so um, Eddie's going to do that for us this morning. Now, let me also tell you something that's really cool about Eddie. And his nickname is Eddie the Mule. Can you say that? Eddie the Mule. His nickname is Eddie the Mule because over the past several years as well, Mm -hmm. he has been smuggling cash into China to give to the underground church in China. Eddie the Mule. So this morning, um, he doesn't want us to give him an honorarium. He wants us to give to China Aid. In, and in the memo, we will put Eddie the Mule, and that money will go directly to Eddie so that he can smuggle it into China to give it to the underground church in China and give it to them hand, you know, just face-to-face. He's been doing this for years. And, in fact, he's been doing it so long that he can't get into the country under his real name, Eddie Perez. He's been blackballed. And I won't tell you his new name because we're filming live. I don't want that connection. But um, he has actually changed his name legally to a new name so that he can go in again to Iran and China and all these crazy places where the gospel is hard to reach. And so I'm excited to have us do that. So we'll talk about this. But if you would like to give to China Aid, um, there's a website you can go to, ChinaAid.org. And um, in the memo, put Eddie the Mule. And Eddie will take cash. To the underground church in China. So I'm excited about this morning. This has been something I've been looking forward to for a while. We, we tried to make this work for a while, and we <laughs> never really seemed to get it to work. But Carice got married yesterday, and so they were in town. And so um, we decided, let's make it work. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to Eddie for the dramatic presentation of the Word of God, namely the book of Ruth. Okay, thank you. Uh, and I have to say just to write off, thank you for taking such good care of my daughter, Carice, and my grandson, AJ. Uh, you have been an incredible blessing. We live in, uh, in uh, San Bernardino County. We live in a place called Crestline in the mountains. And when we, you know, we're so far away, and when you hear something in your child's voice, you were there. Thank you. Okay. We're going to do a little background on the book of Ruth. There's some complicated concepts there in the book of Ruth that if you don't know them, it kind of seems disjointed. But now what we're going to do is I'm going to give you some of that background. Now, it's going to be like you're going to want some water, but I'm going to give you a fire hydrant to drink out of. Okay, It's going to be a lot of information very quickly. So let me get started and... I hope you're able to maintain a certain amount of this in, uh, in your mind while we're perfor- um, performing this. Ruth was written about three millennia ago, during or after the time of King David. It depicted an earlier episode in the time of the judges, thus leading up to the glorious time of King David. A harsh famine for some to migrate to Moab. That's about 50 miles. Uh, When the famine ended, the dispersed returned home. 
The principal persons are Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. <coughs> Excuse me. Naomi is the wife of Elimelech, mother of two sons, Kilian and Malin, the mother-in-law of Orpah and Ruth. Now, this is, this is a very important part here. Naomi, because there's a play on names here, Naomi means pleasant. So what does Naomi mean? All right, but watch this. Mara, M-A-R-A, Mara means bitter. So what does Mara mean? Bitter. Now, Ruth is a young, childless widow, possibly in her mid-20s or late-20s. Uh, she is the daughter-in-law to Naomi. And then we have Boaz. Boaz is an older man of standing, possibly in his 50s. And herein lies, even back then, three millennia ago, a, a, a kind of a, a controversy, uh, an older man, a younger woman. He is a guardian redeemer of the family. Now, let me share with you some concepts here. In the absence of police and prisons like we have today, there's no 911 back then, okay? In the absence of police and prisons, clans had guardian redeemers. Because clans overlapped, it had to be determined which guardian redeemer best represented the family, so here's what a guardian redeemer does, in essence. A guardian, that's the first half of the title, guardian, is the defender of the weak in his family clans. Uh, he is, in fact, a law enforcer. The redeemer part of guardian redeemer is one who rescues the captives. He keeps the family alive. And we see this especially in Jesus Christ. He is our guardian redeemer. Now, here's another concept. <clears throat> Who can be a guardian redeemer? First of all, you have to be a man of means. You got to have something going for yourself here. The second thing is that one, that's, uh, one that stands in relational immediacy. What do I mean by relational immediacy? For example, my brother is more immediate to me than my cousin. Do you understand that there has to be this immediacy there? Uh, so, it, it, so to be a guardian redeemer, one has to stand in relational immediacy to those who are being victimized. The ancient form of social security, are you ready for that? Here we go. The ancient form of social security. If a woman becomes a childless widow in the duty, uh, it was the duty of the next immediate male relative or, if there wasn't any there, the guardian redeemer to take her in and give her an offspring in her dead husband's name thus ensuring the, her posterity and economic stability. Here's another one. The ancient marriage proposal. Now, this is really different, okay? Uh, this would never make the bachelorette. So. <laughs> ancient marriage proposal. When she lays at his feet, yeah, if you could imagine, when she lays at his feet, 
This act signifies, I am willing to be your bride. Okay? When he, when he covers her with her garment, that act signifies, I am willing to be your husband. You got to remember that in the, in the course of Ruth. Ancient legal transactions, because you're going to see this. In pre-literate Israel, you brought that up. In pre-literate Israel, the visual act of the sandal removal. Uh, anybody here know Spanish? The chancla. Okay, very common word. It was the sandal remover. That made it a visual. Okay, it was a sandal removal. Uh, the visual act of the sandal remover in the presence of the elders had to be done before a certain group. Now, ancient adoption, here we go, watch this. The rare act of Ruth surrendering her son, Obed, so that Naomi would have a live-in guardian redeemer. This is pretty amazing. It was, it was completely rare for something like that would happen. And you'll see this. Weights and measures. Oh, I love this part. Weights and measures. This is an ephah. Okay, I need a young lady, because this is what Ruth did. I need a young lady to come forward and try to pick that up. Somebody, I, re I really do need somebody. I'm not just talking. I mean, <laughs> who would come and help me? You can't leave me hanging here. Please. Uh, somebody's pointing at her. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, let's give her a hand. Okay, what's your name? Brianna. Brianna. Okay, here's what I'm going to ask you to do, Brianna. I'm going to want you to lift this up and hold it about right here and turn around and face the congregation, okay? Turn around and face the congregation. This is called an ephah. Okay, this is grain that she had gathered together. Now, most likely, she went at least a mile to go back to town to see her mother-in-law. So why don't you go ahead and get started, and we'll go ahead, and after you've gone a mile and back, okay, no, I'm just kidding, okay. But is that heavy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're not going to, like, sue the church for back problems or anything? Okay, we got that. You're cool. We, we got the waiver. It's publicly all your witnesses. You could put that right back down. Let's give it up for Brianna. Excuse me. <laughs> now, here's the last thing. Uh, this is going to be a fun part here. Because I want to see just a little bit how, how attuned socially you still are. Especially romantic social stuff. All right? Now, now here, when, when I'm actually reciting and I get to that point, gentlemen... It's you first. Guys, could you wave at me? Let me see the hands of the guys. There's some that are confused. They don't know what they are back there. I saw, you know, they're not holding their hand up. Gentlemen, listen, this is for you guys. And by the way, ladies, this is not for you. I get so many ladies who answer for the gentlemen. No, I want to see the gentlemen. See if they still, you know, got the edge here. Okay? Gentlemen, by the show of hands... When does Boaz take 
romantic interest in Ruth. Okay, so when I'm going through there, you hit it, that's it, right there. Okay, I'm going to be watching, and those who don't raise their hand will have to come up here and explain why you didn't, no, I'm I'm not going (laughs) to. Ladies, now here's the ladies. Remember, stay in your lane, ladies. Don't answer for the men. Stay in your lane here. Ladies, by a show of hands, when do you detect a romantic plot is in play by Naomi and Ruth? Got that? So when it comes to that part, shoot your hand up. Okay? So let's see how attuned you are to what's going on uh, as it goes on. And we'll do that. And now, the book of Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live in the land of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malin and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab to live there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah, and the other, Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malin and Killian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she, with her daughters-in-law, prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, 
go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you should find rest in the home of another man. Then she kissed them goodbye. But they wept aloud, saying, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons that can become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. No, my daughters. My life has been very bitter. The Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me be it ever so severely if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't 
call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, arriving in Bethlehem just as the barley harvest was beginning. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go into the field and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered the field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, the field that she was working in belonged to Boaz of the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of the harvesters, Women are not supposed to answer. <laughs> Two guys. Who does that young woman belong <laughs> Thank you, guys. Who does a young woman belong to? <laughs> the overseer replied, She's the Moabite that came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please, let me glean and gather behind the harvesters. So she entered the field... And has remained here from morning to now, except for a short break in uh, the shelter.
So Boaz said to Naomi, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field that the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you should notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left, you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord... Repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here. Have some tortilla chips and dip it in the salsa. Oh, I'm sorry. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. <coughs> when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some leftover. When she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her glean among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. (laughs) Even pull out some stocks for her and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about a ephah. When she carried it back to town, her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave to her the leftover grain after she had eaten enough. Naomi asked her daughter-in-law, 
Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth, the Moabite, responded. The field that I worked in today and the man that I worked for is named Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. And Ruth said, he also said to me, stay here with the women who work for me until all my harvest is is finished. So, Naomi said, it would be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him. Because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until all the wheat and barley harvest was finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash. Put on perfume. Three hands, four hands, five hands. Okay, most of you are out of action, so... Put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but do not let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go, uncover his feet, and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to the far end of the grain pile and lay down. 
in Ruth approached quietly. Uncovered his feet and laid down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than the kindness you showed earlier. You did not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is one more closely related than I. Stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him do so. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So Ruth laid at his feet, until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. He said to her, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley. He placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth returned to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? And Ruth told her about everything that Boaz had done and said, he even gave me these six measures of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. So Ruth said, Naomi said, 
wait, my daughter, to find out what happens. Because the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Meanwhile, Boaz had gone up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of his town and said, sit here. And they did so. He then said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling a piece of land that belongs to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so that I will know. Because no one has the right to do it except you. And I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Boaz said to the guardian redeemer, on the day that you purchase the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow. In order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this The guardian redeemer said, then I cannot do it, for I might endanger my own estate. You do it yourself. I cannot redeem it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and the transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal And gave it to the other. This was the method for legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Boaz announced to the elders and all the people 
today. You are witnesses that I have purchased from Naomi all the land belonging to Elimelech, Kilian, and Malan. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malan's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name would not disappear from his own family or his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. Then all the elders and the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the, young, the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez who Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son and the women living there said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he be famous throughout all Israel. He he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they gave him the name Obed. Obed became the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, 
the father of David. Now, for the bigger picture. Thus, there was 14 generations from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile to Babylon. And 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. And the rest is history. Shalom. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. Would you stand with me? I hope you caught all of the typologies of Jesus in that story. The first being the story takes place in Bethlehem. Here we have a story in the Old Testament that begins the conversation about a redeemer that would be born in Bethlehem and would be for all the people would bring redemption to every single one of us. And I love the story of the guardian redeemer because the guardian redeemer is the only one that has the legal right to redeem you. The same is true for Jesus because he is our creator and our father. He is the only one that has the legal right to come to the planet, be perfect, die on a cross, and redeem us. Nobody else has the legal right to do it except him. And what's amazing about that is Boaz is a typology of Jesus. Boaz said to Ruth, I have the legal right And I will do it. And Jesus says, I have the legal right to free all of mankind and all of humanity from their sins, and I will do it. And so this morning we have this great visual in the Old Testament that leads us to Jesus and reminds us that even in the middle of our very bitter time, When there may be no hope, Jesus is our hope. For Naomi and for Ruth as well, there was no hope until Boaz. And the same is true for your life and mine, right? There's no hope until we met Jesus. There was none. Until Jesus came into our life and set us free from this world and gave us eternal life into the next, all hope flooded our soul. And we now live with the filling of the Holy Spirit to remind us that this promise is true. This is a powerful just moment as we look at this book and what a powerful thing it is to understand the word of God and hear it in such a way that is a powerful moment for us. And so I would just like us to end in a word of prayer 
and just remind ourselves how important Jesus is in our lives. Jesus, we thank you that you said, I will do it. And so you left heaven and you came to earth and you were born in Bethlehem. You also said some other powerful words. You said it is finished from the cross. It is finished meant our redemption has been paid for. Our redemption is at hand. Our redemption is available. It's there. It's also a great reminder, Lord, that you're watching. You're caring. You haven't left us hopeless. That even in the middle of what might even be a bitter story right now, you're working. You're moving. Even when we can't see you, even when we can't feel you, you're working. Jesus, help us to remember that. If you are in a bitter time right now and you're just struggling, I want you to know God sees your struggle. He sees that hopelessness and he sees that bitterness, but he's right in the middle of it with you. I also would like to say, if you're here and you've never, you've never reached out to the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, you've never said, I need him. I want relationship with him. I just want to encourage you. That's who Jesus is. He is your Redeemer. He wants to be in relationship with you. He's dying to be in relationship with you. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you don't know him as your Redeemer, you need to make that decision soon. And I would encourage you to talk to someone you know that knows Jesus about that. Help them lead you to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for a powerful reminder of what Jesus has done for us. That he has redeemed us and he has paid the price. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Could we thank Eddie? The spoken word is powerful, amen? It's powerful. I want to encourage you, if you would like to give to the underground church in China, and you just would like to say, hey, I, I want to bless Eddie for what he did today, what stirred in my heart, but I also would like to bless the church in, in China, then you can go to chinaaid.org, and you can make a gift to donate there. And if you would, in the memo, write Eddie the Mule. Uh, when you write Eddie the Mule in the memo, that guarantees that the money that you give, Eddie will get to take and personally hand to the church in China. And so I uh, just want to encourage you, if you'd like to make a donation this morning, um, Eddie would love to take some money to the underground church in, on behalf of Genie Faith Center. 
and on behalf of you. So thanks for being here this morning. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.